Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. This I knew is true. Please don't drop, they just let go. And make a space for seeds to grow. And every season brings a change. A tree is what a seed contains to die and live his life free free. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Celtic Way podcast. It's wonderful to be with you again. And I am here with one of my favorite human beings in the entire world, Scott Jenkins, the creative director of Celtic Way. And today we are going to traverse a very challenging subject, which is discovering God in difficult times. And even though the subject matter is going to be difficult and challenging, I believe with all my heart that having a mindset around this topic is paramount and crucial to our faith journey. I couldn't agree more. You're right on. And we're going to start by talking about what our entire world has gone through in this last year, which Primarily what we want to talk about is just the challenging times that we've had as a culture, as a world with the coronavirus pandemic that we've all been dealing with, which everybody's had some sort of challenging experience with it, whether you got it, whether you've lost family members or friends, or whether you just live in the constant chaos and fear of it being a reality in our world. So very true. The pandemic has literally touched us all. And when it first started, I made the mistake by saying, we're all in the same boat. And some of my friends who work with and who are some of the poorest people in Denver area said to me, no, Scott, we're not all in the same boat. <laughs> when those of us who are very poor, this is a very hard seat to find ourselves in. And those of you who are middle class or rich, I'm sure are having difficulty. It has touched us all. And we've all suffered, albeit differently. I was amazed to see this thing that came out from the Washington Post today about a new word that will hit the dictionary called coronaphobia. It is a very deep-seated fear and anxiety of the coronavirus. And uh, who doesn't understand that? Yeah, I think we all understand it. We're all very weary by it. And honestly, at this point in our history, I guess I can only speak for myself of saying I don't see a definite end to the journey of trying to battle with this virus. I don't see a concrete ending in sight at this point. Oh, I'd love to disagree with you, but in all honesty, I can't either, you know, and I don't like to mention that, but I think it's so true. Well, where the opponent always takes more than one punch to defeat. And so we had the first round of vaccines we're trying. That's our first shot at the pandemic, but we're in for a long fight. I'm pretty sure that's true. And since we are a podcast called The Celtic Way, what we'll find in Celtic traditions are deep spiritual truths surrounding suffering. Celtic people are so akin to storytelling, song, prose, and poetry. I want to I wanna read you a poem that came to Mary Oliver while she was sleeping. Can you imagine? 
She says, someone I loved once gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand that this too was a gift. I love Mary Oliver, and I've sat with this poem on and off again many, many times. And it so touches me when I think about the formation of Christianity among the Celtic people, that for only reasons God knows that desert mothers and fathers from Syria and Egypt, for whatever reason, travailed all those miles and across oceans, and they come to the United Kingdom and they set up shop, but they didn't set up churches, and they didn't call bishops and priests and deacons. They built communities. They built monasteries. They knew the importance from the desert of the contemplative rhythm. They knew that following Jesus wasn't just some transactional thing that happened between the wafer and wine and a person standing in line and then going to the parking lot and going to brunch. They, they knew that their Christian journey had to do about transformation, and so they, they set up these monasteries. And so these monastic communities shared their livestock, and they made blankets, and they raised crops and taught people how to farm, and then they taught them how to read. And they really weren't about talking about church and the gospel and all this stuff for at least a year after they had made friends and got to know and built trust, and then the kids would come to the monastery to learn how to read and write the scriptures, of course, and just was a very way of below to bring people into a rhythm of prayer that they carried out into their work while they were in the fields or they were with the herds. They were undergoing a transformation. They were becoming like Christ in the very common, very ordinary rhythms of their work life and family life. I mean, I'm building it to be sounding ideal, you know, <laughs> and everything, but it was really a, a very different way to begin missionary activities, which eventually spread all over the island. But it was a hard life. I'm talking, you know, somewhere over 300, 400, 600 AD, the weather conditions were harsh. Growing crops wasn't easy, raising livestock. And then you'd have raids from Vikings or other warring tribes. And, you know, it just life was uncertain. And when you read books like the Carmina Gadelica, which is these ancient, these very old blessings and prayers and incantations, you can tell how often people faced tragedy, loss, suffered famine and drought, and how they depended and leaned into God to help them. They knew life and its hardness, and they knew that sometimes they prayed, and their prayers that they wanted weren't always answered, and they continued to trust, because they saw this harshness of reality in the Christian story. And they knew that God wasn't the kind of God that always pulled people out of the difficulty. There's no beauty in the pandemic, don't get me wrong, but I've just been struck with, you know, the pandemic sort of evens the playing field. I can't say to you, Matt, this is unfair. The pandemic's happening to me. It's happening to everybody. And God hasn't left us. This is a part of our journey. It's part of the life story. And out of this whole contemplative thing comes one of my heroes that's kind of a mixed bag, of course, if he's my hero. He can't be all good, and he can't be all bad. We know him as Columba. The Irish called him Column Seal, Column meaning the word dove and seal of the church. 
Column Seal rose to be a, a priest and started a monastery. And he went to somebody else's monastery, and he was copying the Psalms. And he got it all copied as a beautiful penmanship, I guess. And he was going to take it back to his monastery, which he did. But the abbot of the monastery that he copied the psalm from told him he had to bring it back. Well, Columcille went to his rich relatives who had an army, and they stood behind him and said, no, you're not taking it back. Well, here's the tragedy. They had a huge battle. 3,000 people died fighting over this stupid copy of the Psalms. And the long story short is that the leaders of the Christian movement in Ireland got together. They were thinking about excommunicating him, but instead they banished him from Ireland, his home, his family home. And he went to Scotland and ended up on this small island of Iona, which you've probably heard of, and it's become a great Celtic Christian center now that's known all over the world. And he became a missionary that started many monasteries and, and brought many people to Christ. But I can't help but think about, talk about difficult times. And, you know, the pandemic is something that we had no control over. It happened to us. But poor Columba kind of brought this down on himself. And I, as a chaplain, work downtown at Mile High Ministries, which works with people in hard places. And that staff down there is like a light to me. But I've talked to many people who suffer addiction or they have suffered great poverty. And a lot of people will look me right in the eye and say, I've done this myself. I don't deserve God's favor. I don't deserve God's mercy. Well, none of us do. Thank God none of us have to deserve it in order to get it. That's another difficulty that many people in our society face today that are on the margins that we don't always think about. The contemplative life is key here, Matt, because it's the kind of prayer, it's the kind of lifestyle that I learned at the Living School that really can, in ways that I don't understand, that can really transform a person from the inside out. And once that happens, when good things or bad things happen, we're no longer caught up in blaming God or blaming somebody else. If I have to take the blame myself because I deserve it, that's one thing. But we have really learned from the inside out that these harsh rhythms of life is not God's punishment to us. It's not like you've been bad and this is what you get. This is just part of life. And we need the kind of contemplative discipline in order for us to be transformed, in order to hear that and to embrace it. Another way that we are smacked in the face with the Celtic spirituality of discovering God in difficult times is just the gift of nature, which Irigina called the first book of Revelation. He said that, the, you know, the Lord walks in a pair of sandals, one foot in nature and one foot in the scripture, revealing God itself to us. And I really like that. But nature is harsh. I mean, it's really cold in Colorado right now. I know that Denver streets are filled with homeless people. The cycles of nature that are repetitive tell us over and over again, oh yeah, there will be winter. And there will be spring. It'll be the beautiful days of summer, and then autumn will come and remind us that leaves don't drop, they just let go, as the song goes. And in the rhythm of nature, we are faced with the 
gift of reality itself. We have no control over these rhythms of life. We can celebrate and honor its beauty, but we can stand in the cycle of the whole year. There's so many different seasons that bring us so many different voices, gifts, challenges, struggles. But in the center of it, we stand firm that this is the creation of the Creator who is known deeply to us. And the rhythms are just different places and different seasons in which to experience the continuity of God's presence in us. And as we go through these different seasons of life, and it's just a wonder thing to stand back and just look and ponder, what's God doing in all these different seasons? And how are we changed and challenged? And we grow. We grow from these seasons. Good news or the bad news, however we want to look at it, is that we grow the most, arguably, through the difficult seasons. We may enjoy the good seasons of life more. We may have more fun in the spring and summertime of our life, but it's in the winter that we, we discover more about ourselves and we discover more about God. And I think if it was up to me, that wouldn't be true. But <laughs> it's not up to me. And I allow God to be in control of that part of life you know, if we allow ourselves the opportunity to learn through the difficult seasons of life, God will give us ample opportunity. I think it was Richard Rohr who said that God shows up the most in times of great love and great suffering. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more with that. That comment has stuck with me for a long time ever since I first heard it because it's, it's really true. There's a lot of in-between space, but the great love and great suffering are definitely where we see God the most. Oh, that's so true. And that's the thing that's lived experience. I'm a person who spends a lot of time in the scriptures. And every once in a while, I get hesitant about bringing this up. You know, people are like, oh, God, are you going to quote the Bible at me? Maybe because I still hold it's true, but not like inerrancy, not like doctrinally, not dogmatically. My family has been through a lot. And in Romans 5, Paul has this thing about we rejoice in our sufferings. Like I had some words for Paul at that point. I wrote them in my journal. I won't repeat them at the podcast. But I'm not at the point, Paul, where I'm quite rejoicing in my sufferings right now. But I think I know what you're saying from a distance. But he goes on and says that knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And we know this, he says, because the love of God has been poured into our heart, poured, lavished, flooded. And I know this from my contemplative practice. And I know what he's saying. And I think back through his life about being shipwrecked, about how being beaten, how being whipped, thrown in jail. These aren't just take two scriptures and a glass of water and go to bed. And you'll feel better in the morning. He's talking from a place that's very lived experience for him. He knows this. He's sharing his life story with us because this is going to become our story. If you live long enough, this potentially can become our story. 25 years ago, our daughter Kristen was diagnosed with four-stage Hodgkin's lymphoma. 
I didn't rejoice in the sufferings and I wasn't about ready to receive the endurance or the character that it was supposed to produce. I went off the deep end and trashed my whole life. My daughter lived through that experience. And then I came back to God because my daughter lived. It's time to stop trashing my life. And so the journey continued, all of us as a family. And a couple years ago, my wife, Chris, was diagnosed with COPD. Sitting in that doctor's office, it shocked me because I walked with many people all the way to their death with COPD. I know what lies ahead. And during COVID, we went back to the doctor because her breathing has gotten worse. And sure enough, the doctor said that it's now gone from a very mild stage to the next harder stage up. And she's wearing her oxygen pretty much all the time now. And she suffers. And if you have loved ones who suffer, then you know what that kind of suffering is like as well. Shortly after the pandemic started, our granddaughter, Megan, who's 31, lives up at the end of the block with her husband and her daughter. And Megan became very sick, and we could not see her. And after two weeks, we were kind of hoping it would begin to diminish and go away, but it didn't. It just continued. And it went on for a month and then six weeks, and then eight weeks, and they finally diagnosed. I mean, she kept testing positive, but they couldn't figure out what was going on. And the doctor told her that she had it in her digestive system. And so for 12 weeks, she battled this. Many weeks, she was flat on her back in bed. She's a strong woman. She was in great shape before COVID, and it's a good thing she was. And now she's coming out of it. She's no longer testing positive. There are some lingering effects. She sees a physical therapist. She sees a counselor. She's such a courageous woman and a great mother and a good wife, and I'm so proud of her. But suffering produced endurance, and endurance produced character in her. That was quite a testimony. Around this time, our daughter Kristen, the one who had cancer 25 years ago, was diagnosed again with cancer, this time four-stage lung cancer. And she's always been a fighter. She's always been a trooper. And on December 12th, nine days before her 50th birthday, she lost that fight. she left behind two twin daughters in their 20s and a 15-year-old daughter. And all throughout this, not, and this isn't just about me, I saw this in my wife and I saw this in others, my life didn't fall apart. We walked closely with her and went to appointments and sat with her on the couch and carried her from the table to the couch and we were with her to the very end. And I know intuitively deeply inside. God didn't cause this. God didn't abandon us. God's faithfulness and grace and mercy were there in abundance. God's presence and being available to us cannot be measured in the outcomes of our hardest experiences of life. Bad things happen to everybody, and so do good things. And in it all, God is present.
One of the ways that Celtic people can admit to their own frailty and courage at the same time is the gift of the soul friend, which they call the Anamkara. For over 25 years, I've had the same soul friend in a man who's 10 years older than I. It's very different. He wore a suit and a tie to our storefront church every Sunday. He's very polished. He wasn't Episcopalian. He told me that he knew how to drink tea properly, and I didn't. For 25 years, we have walked through all the ups and downs of life. Friendship, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. Friends are this bond, this God-embodied soul, walking, crying, hugging, right next to us. If you want to find God in troubled times, go to your deepest and your best friend. God is right there looking right back at you. I see it every day, Monday through Friday. I work with this staff down at Mile High Ministries who work with people in really hard places. And they're just present to these people in and out of season, giving grace, receiving grace, giving it back. They're incredible witness to the constant love and presence of God in a deeply troubled world. I'm sitting in a hotel lobby in Albuquerque. The living school is coming to an end, and I'm waiting for the Uber driver to come and take me to the airport, and it's early sitting on this bench. Down the hallway comes a wonderful man by the name of James Finley, who was one of our teachers. And he sat down, we were talking. And he said, at the end of a conversation we were having, in many ways, God spares us no thing in this life and sustains us in all things. There's reality on both sides of the and. We're not spared, but we're always supported. It's not circumstances of life that dictate to me how I see and experience God now. It's, I guess it's how I experience God that helps me to see and move through life itself. Life at times is unpredictable, that's for sure. It is unfeeling, it's cruel, and yet, God is the constant presence of love and grace in the midst of even our greatest storms. Contemplative prayer, the gift and presence of nature, the scriptures of human experience, deep friends, God goes out of his way to make sure that we are discovered and know it in the worst of times. This I knew is true Please don't drop, they just let go And make a space for seeds to grow And every season brings a change A tree is what a seed contains To die and live his life free free Thank you for joining us for the Celtic Way podcast. New episodes come out on the first and third Tuesdays of every month. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe, give it an honest rating and a review. This is the best way to get the podcast in front of as many people as possible. Visit our website at CelticWay.org and subscribe to our updates. While you're there, 
please consider becoming a sustainable donor so that the message of Celtic Way can continue to influence the world today. Also, like us on Facebook at Celtic Way Colorado.